David Shoemaker and Kaz host The Masked Man Show every week, breaking down everything in the world of professional wrestling. Check out The Masked Man Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning, an inability to smile, an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Bomber. What's going on today? Well, we are headed towards the stretch run. Um, the standings look different every single day. We've got a couple of teams that are cratering that we are going to talk about. But before we get to all of that, you came out with your... Power rankings. Now, I know that it has been customary when you come out with your power rankings, you try in the at least, uh, at least soon after to not pay attention to who is yelling at you the most. But I must ask you, <laughs> have you noticed if one team's fan base is yelling at you the most based upon the power rankings that you put out? No. Not this no. time. I got the least hate on my rankings for this week than any other power rankings editions this season. It's kind of <laughs> weird, Chris. It's funny. One of my friends asked me this last night when we were playing Warzone. <laughs> Before the national championship game, he's like, who are you getting hated on the most? Nobody this week, Chris. Nobody. Sh- sh- is there a team that stands out? I, that no, I too low not, or too high? I mean, look, I think that you... Team, Teams, fan bases are going to get mad at you about ranking them lower than they think they should be. Nobody's going to get mad at you for ranking them higher than they think they should be, right? And frankly, the ones that you have pushed lower, the team isn't playing well recently. Therefore, a fan base is typically really down on their team when they're not playing well recently. It is always the team that is doing really well 
that feels unacknowledged, right? Uh, that you, that, what have you been watching, right? We've been so good, but the truth is, you've got a lot of people that are fans of teams in the NBA that I would think right now have a decidedly mediocre team that they root for. And so you're not going to get it. It's not, not apathy, but it's just lack of passion when you're just win one, lose one, win a couple, lose a couple, like no big streaks either way. And then you have that group of people whose teams have been faltering as of late. And that makes up a reasonable group, right? There's only, I mean, honestly, how many fan bases right now are thrilled with their team? Utah, Brooklyn, Philly's not. Philly's not right right now. now, (laughs) They're never happy. Ben Ben Simmons down lately. Bucks, probably. Yeah, I think Phoenix... Ha- should be very happy. Phoenix, right yes, now. thrilled. Cl- Clippers have concerns. Paul George right now dealing with the toe injury. Definitely right. not one hundred percent. Lakers obviously have guys out. Nuggets should be thrilled right now. They should be feeling great. They're thrilled. Yeah, they're thrilled post trade deadline with the way the Gordon things worked out. Sure. Blazers fans still worried about the defense. Mavericks fans are feeling really good. Big win over Utah on Monday night. Yeah, but they just had the Porzingis injury. And now here we go again. (laughs) Can't count on it. You know, this kind of stuff. So Celtics fans are feeling better now. Evan Fournier is in the COVID health and safety protocols. I mean, nothing. The Celtics are starting to trend up and then that happens. Yeah, that's that's a brutal. That's brutal, especially when he got going a little bit. Um, all right, let's go. Kind of go through this. So the point is, I mean, you could probably count on your hand how many how many fan bases feel great about their team right now. It's maybe the lowest amount that we've had in a long, long time because even teams that have expectations, you know, they're not they're not meeting those expectations except for a few of them. Doesn't that open up the the when you don't have like many of those teams? I think a lot of te- fan bases can feel like there's a chance, though. Absolutely. I think I think that's what makes this year really interesting. Like, there's a lot of teams. I look at them and I'm like, oh yeah, I can make the argument for them to go all the way to the NBA Finals and maybe win the whole freaking thing. Like, it's that I don't type know about, of year. I don't know. I don't know if I can make the argument for a lot of them to go to the NBA Finals, but I can make a lot of them the argument to go to the conference finals. Fair. Fair, yeah, I don't think I don't think, you, I don't think there's there, many I can make the argument that we'll get to the NBA finals. I, I think we can personally. Really? Yeah. It's a strong year. I mean, you could say LeBron and AD get back and stay healthy and everything's fine for the Lakers, but there's no guarantee of that. Paul George with the toe injury right now is not the same player. Ever right. since that first became an issue for him, his numbers are way down. He's just way down. He's admitted that it's bothering him. And like, that's the type of thing, you know, had that in the power rankings. I talked to uh, Brian Suter, who's like a sports doctor on YouTube, has a mm-hmm. great channel there where he analyzes injuries. And, and he said to me, this is the type of thing that can require many weeks, more than a month for it to completely go away. And, and your article said that, seven weeks. Yeah, seven weeks sometimes. And like, there's no, there's no seven weeks to rest. You know, That's, you can't get those I rest. Mean, look, Kev, I mean, I'm reading that and I'm like, well, hold on now. Like if this were, if all things were, were, were called off, right. Then you'd want to rest on that thing. Possibly. Yeah. Two months. Exactly. Possibly. To be able yep. to get, 
you know, where to you need not to feel be it. Or nothing there. Be. Exactly. Because that's the type of thing where when you ramp up, and this is according to uh, Brian Suterer, when you ramp up activity like Paul George had to to get back mm-hmm. on the court, that's when it can start lingering and get coming back until the offseason when you actually have those seven plus weeks to rest and to be able to work it back in a way that doesn't re, you know, re-injure it or make make you feel pain. So that's a concern. And when you have that factor there, Chris, I think that opens the the window for the Suns or the Jazz or the Nuggets or even the Blazers, you know, mm-hmm. to jump through and maybe go all the way. Like I feel like it's it's almost a even though a fan base might not feel like, yeah, we feel awesome about our odds. The fact that not a lot of teams are saying that in and of itself means like you can feel pretty good, maybe even better than any any other year recently. That makes it fun to me. Yeah, no, you, you you certainly have the opportunity now. And regarding the Paul George thing, this is something that does not get talked about very much that I thought about, which is when you are hurting, right? And it's inevitable. He's going to be hobbled, right? According to what you what you wrote. It's never going to be perfect, at least until you get to the offseason and give it some rest. Um, when and, and the numbers are down since this has come to light. When you are hobbled like that, what ends up happening is you put yourself at risk of other injuries because you start favoring that. And so the more you start favoring that, the more pressure it puts on your knee that wouldn't normally have the same pressure or your back that might not have normally the same pressure. And so it, it can it can really cascade, you know, to where, yes, this is the one thing that hurt, but it ends up increasing your uh, opportunity to get have other ailments and other things that really bother you before the end. And so, like you said in your article, they don't they need all NBA Paul George to be able to be able to be able to go to the NBA Finals. Like that's uh, you know, which is what they their expectations are as a uh, as an organization. I mean, they they mortgage their entire future. To be able to do this. So they fancy themselves as an NBA finals team. But in the absence of him being not good, great, they have no chance. Like he has to be great. Can't have another pandemic P playoff run. Just can't happen. No. Um, All right. Let's start with the team that you ranked first, which is the easiest ranking ever because they have been consistently great all year long. There was one tiny blip, but still... To this day, they've only lost 11 games, and that is the Utah Jazz. Oh, 12. I'm sorry. Dallas beat them last night. That's right. They (laughs) lost last night to Dallas. Um, They've lost 12 games. The numbers on the three-point percentage with volume slash rate in which they hit them is crazy, and you kind of tied in, and I'm going to let you give these stats to everybody listening. You tied in that they did shoot an extremely good percentage as a team last year. They just didn't shoot it as much, right? Their frequency of three-pointers. So the the question is, what would happen if they just shot a lot more of them? Would those Are they shooting that number because those are the great ones, right? Those are really good shots. And so that's, of course, why they have this really good percentage. But if they shot a lot more then the quality of those threes is going to go down. Therefore, the percentage is going to go down. And in fact, damn near the opposite is true. They've shot more threes and they shoot them even better. 
So last season, Utah was number one in three-point percentage, but they were eighth in three-point frequency. This season, they have a chance to be the first team in NBA history to shoot at least 40% of their shots from three-point range and hit 40% of those shots. And this year, they're attempting 49% of their shots from three-point range. Nearly half, Chris. Nearly half of their shots are threes, and they're hitting 39.5% of those. Uh, so they're not quite at the 40% mark. They didn't shoot the ball well from three last night against Dallas, so their numbers actually dipped slightly. But they have a chance to be, you know, 40% from three in the year, attempting over 40% of their shots. In NBA history, we've only, only seen the 17, 18, 19, and 20 Rockets do that, and the 19, 20 Mavericks. So there's only been five other teams that have attempted over 40% of their shots from three. No surprise. This is a recent boom with teams doing that. But Utah has made that leap into that, you know, upper threshold of NBA three-point shooting teams. Portland's doing it this year, too. But nobody's shooting the ball as well as Utah uh, with that amount of frequency. And I don't know, again, the blurb in the article just wrote about how the guy who doesn't shoot any of them and Rudy Gobert is such an important piece of that. And, you know, it's we've talked and touched on this a little bit throughout the year, but it's just kind of it sickens me sometimes to see the disrespect at Gobert. I'm like Shaq on TV because he's not a high volume scorer because he's not scoring 20 points. Rudy Gobert creates shots for other people just because he's already a, a such a dominant pick and roll finisher. Defenses have to collapse into the paint to respect that, which opens up teammates. And Gobert has gotten way better over the years as a passer at kicking the ball out out of the short roll, two shooters or creating defensive rotations. I just think Gobert doesn't deserve some of the disrespect that he's gotten. People talk about his defense, but he's so important to that Utah Jazz offense as well. I mean, if you want to talk about the most valuable player on Utah, Mitchell or Conley or Gobert, I mean, to me, it's Gobert because he does so much beyond the box score, and he's part of the reason why that team has been so good for so long, as you said, Chris. It will be fascinating to see if if they if they have to sacrifice in the playoffs. That once somebody game plans against them, are they going to be able to function the same way that they do right now? Because that has been the issue with the Houston Rockets. You know, when it when it came to uh, when it came to the playoffs that, you know, over the course of seven games, you know, do you the, the whole live by the three, die by the three when you are shooting that high of a percentage and you're really playing with at least one guy that doesn't shoot them, that what is the what's the price you pay for that? And can these teams that you are playing against in the playoffs expose that and make you play differently and less comfortable than you want to. They're not just going to let you bop the ball around and and f- until you get it to a corner three. They're going to stay home and stay attached to those guys um, because you know that when you get to the playoffs that that is what the other team is going to try to game plan against. And that was that was the issue. You know what I mean? You I remember you talking about like, hey, like it wouldn't be so bad. And this is why Chris Paul was was so successful for those Rockets teams. It wouldn't be so bad if you just stepped up a few feet and took some mid-range jumpers or some floaters, you know, uh, for this team because they have just decided they're not going to let you shoot this high percentage from three. If anything, they're going to stay attached. And so it's going to be fascinating because they certainly have been great during doing it during the regular season. 
You know, I, I think part of that, Chris, is we're going to see probably maybe and we'll see what happens in the postseason depends on matchups and so much. But we're likely going to see more teams switch pick and rolls against Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, like if Gobert is screening about half the time, according to the second spectrum stats, defenses drop their defender into the paint. That's because of Gobert, the way he rolls, you know, that's naturally what you're going to do. But maybe in the postseason, we'll see more switching. Well, and I'll tell you this, I saw Utah in person twice about a week ago, and in the fourth quarter, uh, the Grizzlies just decided they were going to rush that stuff, and Mike Conley just floatered them to death. Exactly, and and that's (laughs) the thing, Utah this year, Mike Conley for years has been one of the league's better ISO scorers, you know, in terms of efficiency, better pick and roll scorers in terms of efficiency. Mitchell is better this year than ever before, better shooter, better shooting numbers, better getting the basket, everything about him is better. Jordan Clarkson, likely the sixth man of the year. You know, they, Joe Ingles, an efficient guy, Boyan Bogdanovich, an efficient guy. Like they have a lot of guys who can create a shot for you if you need it. Conley and Mitchell being the two main ones. But like they can do, they can beat you by committee. They don't have the one singular star Mm -hmm. from the perimeter, but they have guys that can do that. Well, and it's pretty simple when you think about it, and this is why it can be so devastating. If you have Ingles in one corner and you have Bogdanovich in the other corner, I mean, anybody could just envision this in their head. They they have either Mitchell or Conley at the top. They run Gobert up there to be able to set the screen. And so now you've got a choice to make. And Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley is either going to try to get to that mid-range and drop that floater on you, or... If your guy from the corner pinches in, they're just going to kick it out. And those guys are deadly, deadly. I mean, I I, I would bet uh, I, haven't, I haven't looked at it, but like those numbers are freaky anyway that you say percentage wise. There's no telling what they shoot from those corners. I mean, because they run there in transition and knock down those corner threes. Even Clarkson knocks down the corner ones. Um, it's just they are. They 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 are a tough guard, especially so to your point, you know, if you do cave in on that, they have shown a willingness to be able to just kind of go in the lane and they've got guys that can hit that, you know, 10 to 15 foot shot, which is what the Rockets were reluctant to do, you know, during yeah. those years. And, right. And for, for what it's worth, Chris, you mentioned the corner three numbers. They lead the NBA in frequency of corner three point attempts. Yes. And on the year, according to Cleaning the Glass, they're seventh in percentage at 42%. Isn't that amazing? 42% is seventh. (laughs) I mean, they look on on fast breaks, they run there. Yeah, they do. They run to the corner three. You know, I mean, it's a, it's, you know, some, some people get irritated by the whole, you know, hey, just take the layup or take the odd man break. But if they get an odd man break, many times you're going to see somebody just totally flare out and get to that spot. Um, and so you have to stay attached to them. Anyway, uh, that's an easy number one and kind of why they have been number one this year. And we'll see if it holds up when it comes playoff time. But they're certainly a, a title contender, to say the least. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning, an inability to smile, an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. 
Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership requires for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. One of the things I do want to ask you is there have been a couple of additions just going through your power rankings that it jogged my brain on something, which is when you're talking about the Nets, you talk about Nick Claxton, right? And he talked about how the numbers are the numbers, right? And and his ability to switch. And you bring in these veterans and, you know, you even mentioned that Steve Nash is going to have a decision to make. I can totally... I can totally see this being a thing, right? Where it's in between LaMarcus Aldridge and uh, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. Like you have got these, these aren't veterans. These are like 10 plus year veterans. And are you going to be willing to play the better player? Right. Are you going to be the guy that actually, by all accounts, helps you win more, but does not have the years of service, does not have the playoff reps, um, might make a mistake here and there that you've got to live with. And it just feels like they brought in some guys and that's going to be a thing. It's odd that he was really cracking right before that trade deadline. And then they bring in guys that probably, you know, even if it doesn't reduce his minutes, the rest of the regular season probably will in the playoffs. I don't know about that. Personally, I I think we're going to see matchup to matchup series to series. Like there very well might be a game or a series in which you don't see Claxton. There might be a series in which you don't see much Blake Griffin. I mean, like it, it really could be like that with the Brooklyn Nets and DeAndre Jordan and all I could will be the, the odd man out for the most part. But Claxton's ability to switch, there's good reason why Steve Nash was using him to close a lot in fourth quarters. Aldridge and Blake and Claxton to me are the three main guys and that'll like their minutes and their usage and maybe even who starts will depend on the series in the in the playoffs. Like even this week, we saw Claxton play 17 minutes against the Knicks. The game before that, he played eight. You know, it wasn't the game for him because he doesn't have that size for a big man battle. So, you know, that that could, I mean, like it could create that scenario that you're talking about where there's debate about who should be playing. But I, I, I just based off the trends of the year, I would predict we're going to see differences series to series. Well, that'll be Brooklyn. the Nash thing. Yeah. If, look, coaches play veterans, yeah. Kev. They do. You're right. They do. Yeah. If, if fans but, don't get like, mad. Fans never get mad. I, I mean, never. You never see fans getting irate about a veteran not playing enough. It's always the young guy that doesn't yeah, get to yeah, play enough. That's true. But like you know Coxon I mean? was closing fourth quarter games, though. Before yeah. they got Aldridge and Blake Griffin, you know, mm-hmm. so like, I mean, that to say Steve Nash has a history of playing a young guy over the veteran mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. And like, just the, I think it's easier the, with DeAndre than Aldridge is what I'll say. It, it is easier. <laughs> it's definitely easier. But they're but the fact Nash did it already makes me believe that he'd be willing to do it again. 
in a playoff series or even in a big game during the regular season. Like I, I wouldn't expect that to change. Maybe it will. Aldridge yeah. has been pretty good for them. You yeah. know, Blake Griffin's been pretty good. So we'll see how that pans out over the course of the year. But the fact they have so many options is what's most impressive. And they all do totally different things on the court. And what's going to be most fascinating about them is do they have all three of those guys healthy when it's playoff time? And that's part of it, too. I mean, it's injury history, age with these guys. Yeah, well, I and, mean, it could be really, part of it. I, and I'm talking about the forget the forget the uh, the center position, which is intriguing. Also, they're stars. Do they have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden mm. uh, available and healthy when it comes playoff time? Because it has just been so long since we have seen three of them. And honestly, it seems rather infrequent that we even see two of them. Yeah. You see Harden, but there's no Kyrie. You see Kyrie, but there's no Harden. Like, I, if you flip on a Nets game, the chances of you seeing Kyrie and Harden and their guys have been very, very, very low. And I, I mean, the three of them on the same court? I, mean, I can't even remember what it looks like anymore. They've only Seriously. played 186 minutes together. Crazy. That's pretty wild. That's wild, isn't it? That's less than three games. Yeah. Worth of time. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty insane. Yeah. Right? I can't believe um, it. <laughs> yeah. For, for and, those and, guys. And, and like, it, the good thing for them is that Katie's an easy guy to integrate into the mix. You, know, you think? Like, uh, I mean, <laughs> you I mean, just throw <laughs> you just throw him the ball. Yeah, you just throw, yeah, you just throw <laughs> him in there. It's okay. <laughs> and plus, you know, they've played together before. Yeah. So it's not like they don't have some existing chemistry. And there's such high IQ basketball players. All of them are so smart on the court. So it's easier to, to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I would imagine it's still kind of difficult though, right? Yeah. Working work get that chemistry together and getting that rhythm. Um, before the postseason, this is not going to be an easy run in either conference. Look, all we need to, all, all we need to know is that not only are they integrating those three, the whole lineup around them has changed. Yeah, right. So they don't yeah. have reps with the other guys either. It isn't like you're plugging them in, and it's the Joe Harris and and, and Bruce Brown. Like they were kind of playing when those guys were playing together. Lake, um, Aldridge, yeah. yeah, and and these guys are getting real minutes. All we need to know is, yes, we know that it can be extremely devastating, but you're headed towards less than 20 games that you will have played together. And think of back to w- when we had uh, you know, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, and it was thrown together. It took a while. I mean, they weren't devastating until January. Of that year, you know what I mean? Maybe December, right? Where they, were, but like the beginning was, you can't just throw three stars together, right? The chemistry, but I mean, I remember that. You know, ESPN had a whole site dedicated to it, like Heat Check or whatever it was called, right? Uh, or the Heat Index, and hired all these people, and like that was, it was every day we were getting news <laughs> about that team, and it was like, are they gonna have to find a different coach? LeBron is mad at Spo. This yeah. thing ain't working, and it's like they went through growing pains until, and I obviously lost the first uh, go round in the finals. It's it's gonna be fascinating to see if they can just throw it together with the Nets because they are not going to have a lot of time before they've got to be ready for oh, yeah. playoff basketball. And that's essentially what they're going to be doing. Yes. I mean, right Just now you throwing it Harden, together. Harden with the hamstring, 
yep. strain right now. It's the type of thing with that. That stuff can linger, dude. Oh, yeah. It can linger. I mean, there's there's so many variables this season with some of the injuries that guys have had. Well, and the, the you, two you that know, you mentioned, uh, the Harden one, obviously, which is a hamstring. You always want to uh, – uh, you always uh, get your antennas up when there's something like that. And the other one was uh, P.J. Tucker and the calf. I mean, those are – those are muscles. Those just have to heal. They just have to heal. And it's a it's a matter of how how serious they are. Now, obviously, if you catch it early, if it's just a little twinge, you could just get some rest and whatever. But we how many times have we seen either a guy have a hamstring or a calf problem? And then two weeks turns to four weeks, four weeks turns to six weeks. I mean, then you're Chris Paul's just missing the playoffs. You're just not getting him back. I mean, it's happened. Over and over again, because there ain't nothing you can do with a muscle except for time. It's just got to heal. And so you're right. I mean, if you've twinged it already and you're hardened, you know, it's at one point. Yeah. Isn't it kind of crazy with Harden at the time that deal happened? I thought, oh, yeah, no chance Harden or KD or even or Kyrie, for that matter, will win MVP or have a chance to win MVP. And just the way the season has played out with KD missing so many games, Kyrie being in and out of the lineup, Harden had played himself into that conversation. He wasn't he's not a top my ballot right now. I have Jokic there right now. But, you know, you had Harden be part of that conversation. LeBron was considered the favorite at one point and Bede was considered the favorite at one point. And I think, you know, we'll see how much time Harden actually misses, you know, if any, he played four minutes last night and then was taken out um, after, you know, missing a couple games. So we'll see there, but it's just, you know, we've had three of the arguable top candidates for MVP now missing time. Oh yeah. And uh, for Harden specifically in Brooklyn, I thought this year was going to be about integrating him in with Katie and Kyrie having a lower usage. And instead he was doing effectively what he's done before to carry that team in spite of the, the fact other guys were missing. It's just a weird season for James Harden when he's been the same guy, when we expected to see something so much different, but we still might see that in the playoffs. It's just a, this whole season's funky. All those awards have just, like so, so many of them have just become like the Who's two the biggest <laughs> M- M- MVP and rookie of the year. It's like, yeah, because well, Lamelo could lose it, right? Potentially, like the only one that is. I mean, look, Gobert probably went defensive player of the year. They'll give it to him, but um, Clarkson's probably got a pretty solid lead on six yeah. man. Monty Williams is going to run away with coach of the year. Like that one's the one in the books, right? He's the, he's the one in the books. But in terms of yeah. MVP, Rookie of the Year, those things are those things are there for the taking in this last stretch run. A um, couple other things I want to uh, I want to ask you about that you mentioned uh, throughout your article. We were talking about how you, you mentioned Kevin Durant, just you know, easy to integrate, plug and play. And it seems to me that in many of these cases around the league, the ones it's always easier to acquire the guy that is the role player, the guy that can just be plugged and played, as we say. And there's always going to be some kind of stress or, uh, you know, lag time for integrating somebody that does a lot more. And I think we're seeing that with, like, the Vucevic's of the world and the Levert's of the world and guys that are not just, you can bounce a ball around and they'll get whatever shot they get. But to that point, you mentioned the Gordon thing, and Dan Devine has an article on the Ringer today 
about how great that has been. I mean, he he is like the ultimate, like whenever we're, I'm trying to give an example of this, like acquiring a guy that you can just plug him in and you don't, you ain't even got to run any plays for him. He can run oh, the yeah. baseline. He can cut. He can just sit in the dunker spot, whatever. Like the Gordon thing has worked out perfectly fit wise in Denver. Yeah. In the power rankings, I have a, a play in there that I think sort of defines Aaron Gordon's time with the Nuggets so far where um, Jokic made the one-handed catch mm-hmm. for the finish at the end of the Clippers Nuggets game last week and Gordon caught the ball on the roll and just quickly flipped it to Gordon uh, to Jokic. Perfect pass, perfectly timed, in sync as if they've been playing together for many years. And that's the way it's felt. Like Gordon has just come right in immediately and he fits. It just works. He's just, he's kind of the the connective piece between Murray and Jokic, giving them another creator who's not going to be a primary guy for you, but can occasionally run a pick and roll for you, who can occasionally be utilized as a screener on the short roll, can occasionally bring the ball up the floor. He can cut. He can spot up. He can defend multiple positions at a high level. I mean, he's come running right away and played at the best level of production in his entire career, Chris. It's kind of crazy to watch. I mean, we've talked about him ever since we've done this pod. Started yep. in 2016. I've always loved Aaron Gordon. I didn't expect them to be this good this soon with a new team. I thought it would take a little bit of time still, but boy, it's fun to watch. Well, and it's it's one of those times where we talk about so much of a guy's destiny can be about fit, right? I yes. always was reluctant towards the Aaron Gordon can be a lot more, can be a star, right? He is an unbelievable role player. That's what he is, right? Like, I, I think that people fancied him as like, some, at least some, right? If he just got out of Orlando, he could be whatever. But the truth is, he's a guy that can help you win. He can defend. He can roll to the basket. And he's, he's not going to be a star. He's not going to make all-star teams. But he is going to be an extremely valuable piece in the league that can help you win basketball games. And when you're talking about um, being on the high end uh, or the highest end of role players, there's no shame in that. There's stars and then there's the guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like you end up having 15-year careers by being high-end role players. Danny Green still has value. Trevor Ariza has had value for 20 years. P.J. Tucker, when he gets, he's 36. When he gets traded, people are like, oh, or when he sides with the Bucks, it's like, oh, this could actually move the needle. Or, like, or, or you could be Draymond Green. Yeah. Like, like Draymond Green is what he is. He's a elite role player, one of the greatest role players of all time. And like those guys can you know, raise the floor of a team and raise the ceiling because of what they provide next to these, the quote unquote stars. Like you can be a star in your role, regardless of what your role is, whether you got the guy handling the ball for eight minutes a game, shooting 20 shots a game, or the guy shooting five times a game. Like you, if you can be a star in your role, you can help your team. And Aaron Gordon is in that role with the Denver yeah, Nuggets. And the right trick now. is being happy with that, right? A lot yes, of guys accepting. aren't happy. A mm-hmm. lot of guys aren't happy with that the first three, four years in the league. Some guys, even six or seven years into the league, sit there and say, I should be able to do more. And the Nuggets had, you know, guys like that. Malik Beasley wanted to be more than what he was going to be on the Nuggets. And uh and uh Jeremy Grant wanted to be more 
than what he was going to be on the Nuggets. Yeah. It feels like when you're seven years into your career, somebody like Aaron Gordon's like, all right, I'm cool being this, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's part of, like, to tie it back to Rudy Gobert. Yeah. I think that unselfishness should be appreciated. I mean, I look at that as such a positive thing. If you embrace your role and maximize your responsibilities for the team that helped them win at the highest possible level, like I think that's something that should be commended and admired and and shared, you know, to people more so than like saying, "Oh, this guy doesn't score twenty five points per game, therefore he's not worth max money." Like I just hate that that's the discourse with certain players, and it's just really cool to see. Aaron Gordon come in and boom, right away, right away, fit in right away, embrace a brand new role with a brand new situation where it's very clear what the hierarchy is. Jokic is number one. Murray is number two. And then everybody else fills in the blanks in the ways that they need to. Michael Porter Jr. as well deserves credit. A guy who for years now, there's been concerns about his defense. He's playing the best defense of his career, man, because he's making the choice to lock in and focus on that end of the floor, he's putting the work off the court to improve fundamentals, to have a better awareness of defensive space, uh, spatial awareness. Like these guys deserve credit for doing the little things. And that's why Denver has gotten better over the course of the year. And that's why Denver feels like they're about to start peaking at the perfect time. Like they're serious threats in the Western conference. Are they the favorites? No. I mean, we've talked about this before, Chris, like the Lakers are the favorites. If LeBron and AD are healthy, but they may not be and the favorite. Doesn't always win. Favorite doesn't always win. And Denver, <laughs> they have who I think so far should be the MVP in Nikola Jokic. The MVP, a lot of times, ends up in the NBA Finals, Chris. He does. Um, it has not worked that way for the back-to-back MVP in Giannis. That's not, no. Uh, but he's got a different version of his team by virtue of Drew Holiday being added to that mix. Signed a big, big deal. Uh, this past week, which some people did raise their eyebrows at uh, for Drew Holiday. But, I mean, again, to me, Drew Holiday is a winning player. He is the consummate two-way player, and he fits in that odd, you know, the the, the Mike Conley zone, which is, um, okay, he is not. The the Damian Lillards, he is not the Steph Currys. He is not like the highest, highest end of the star spectrum. But I'm comfortable with my guy, taking my guy into the fight, right? he's This guy's not, uh, he's not a shrinking violet and he's not going to be overwhelmed by this matchup. And so he, he falls into that odd category of doesn't have a million all-star teams, isn't going to be the guy that's the leading shot taker on the team, but is going to be great on both ends of the court and is going to help you win basketball games. And you don't just automatically write off that matchup as, okay, we're at a real deficit with this. I'm, I'm a huge holiday fan. I, and to me, like with somebody like Milwaukee, it, you're not signing big free agents. What the hell are you spending that money on if you ain't? <laughs> yeah, and you, and you just gave up a hundred million things. You can't have Drew Holiday not be part of this going forward. So the price is the price. And I know that people will sit there and go, ah, oh, Drew Holiday, that much money. But I mean, look, it's the price of doing business at this point. 
I saw some stuff on Twitter yesterday about like who are they bidding against. There's not a lot of teams that are contenders that have cap space this offseason, etc. Um, the thing is, is cap space can be created. Like there's always threats out there. We saw the way the Miami Heat got Jimmy Butler, and which they signed and traded for him with Josh Richardson as the salary in the deal, sending him to Philadelphia. There's always a threat out there who can make a play for a free agent and try to work out a sign and trade. And so for Milwaukee, it makes some sense to lock up the guy long-term now. And plus, why would you not want to? As you said, like you gave up everything that you did, all those draft picks to get Drew Holiday, and he's fitting as well as he did, as, as he is already. I mean, he's providing the scoring when he needs to, and especially in games Giannis is out. He's always providing elite defense, and he's not just a guard defender. A lot of guys who are six foot three, 200 pounds, only defend guards. Drew Holiday has the length and the strength to defend bigger wings, and he does it pretty well. So if you're the Bucks, this is the, exactly the type of guy you would ra- would want to have next to Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton. So just get it done, man, and enter the playoffs I'm on a high, you. you know, with all these guys locked up long-term ready for their first run together. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And the, and the truth is, you, like, we just got through a trade deadline where the biggest name that everybody was talking about as the desirable guy, whether it was for Miami or it was for the Lakers or it was for the Clippers or it was for Philly, was Kyle Lowry. 35 years old. I mean, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. we just got done talking about how everybody, like, it was the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes. And who's going to end up with Kyle Lowry? Kyle Lowry is a guy that could really move the needle and push somebody, you know, even further. So, what are we talking about here, right? With uh, uh, Drew Holiday is going to have real value for a long time from now. Um, you know, he's not as old as people think. He, he came into the league when he was so young. I was just looking. It's hard to believe his only All-Star game was way back, way Philly. back in 2012, 2013. It's last year in Philly before the yeah. process just really yeah. got going. <laughs> well, and like I said, I keep bringing this up. The last time that he was in the playoffs, they busted, uh, who was it, the Blazers? They busted the Blazers' ass. That Pelicans team with him and AD? Yep. I mean, that was... 17-18 season. Yeah. Holiday in those playoffs averaged 24 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds, played great defense, as you mentioned. <laughs> he was there for it. He, he's a player, man. Right? He's a player. So, I got, I got no problem with that. Uh, another of the very highly ranked Easter Conference teams that I do want to mention to you was Philly. And your note is about Ben Simmons in your power rankings. And I watched their game on Sunday evening. Uh, they played against Memphis. And I'm here to tell you, Kevin, it was like it was the topic amongst me and my friends, which is what the hell is going on with this guy? Yeah, there's something up. There's something no, up. Like it was weird. Like I, I have seen him non-aggressive before. I think he had, I have to go back and look. I think he had like six. I mean, I don't, I, don't even, I don't even remember how many points he had in that game. Do you have that by any chance? The game on Sunday, the, the game on Sunday night that Philly just played. I mean, they were booing the hell out of the team uh, on the court. But I mean, it was like he wasn't even involved in the game. They got murdered uh, by the Grizzlies. He ended up with seven. He ended up with seven points in that game. On six shots. Bizarre. 
All right, so just to give those numbers out, Chris, in the 22 games prior to the All-Star break, Ben Simmons was averaging 17 points per game on a true shooting percentage above 60%. In the 11 games since then, 13 points per game on a true shooting percentage of only 40. Dude, I'm sorry. Like these now, I'm I'm all thrown off whack. All right, sorry. Let me restate that one more time. This is the time that's going to get it right. Just to give you those numbers, Chris, in the 22 games prior to the All-Star break, Ben Simmons averaged 17 points on four, on 61% shooting prior to the All-Star break. Since then, 13 points per game on 46% shooting from the field. And specifically, within eight feet of the rim, he was shooting 63% prior to the break. 48% within eight feet of the rim. What's the only place then. he shoots? That, I know, but like, that's, that's the problem. Like the numbers yeah. are way down near the rim. The aggression is down. He's playing more hesitant. He was playing the best basketball. I thought personally of his entire career in the lead up to the all-star break. And ever since then, he has not been the same guy. Yeah, you remember when Embiid went out and they were having to get by like soon after there were a couple of those games. I remember exclusively one in Utah where I watched him, and I mean, he was a force of nature in that game. And to watch that and then juxtaposed against what I saw on Sunday, which is a guy that takes like six shots in the game, has seven points. I mean, he's a, he was a nothing. And I'm thinking, like, that's the guy you got to worry about. This guy could be, you know, could be devastating. He's just a hard matchup. Uh, and, and go, uh, especially there was one play at the beginning of the game, the very beginning of the game. He caught the ball off the rim, rebound. He drove all the way down and chucked it and, uh, you know, it slammed it down. And I was thinking, oh, God, like this is what you're up against. This guy is like, he's going to be able to do that when he wants to just grab the ball off the rim and just go all himself because nobody's going to get there's, there's a bunch of small guys you're not going to get in his way um <laughs> he just never he just never did dylan brooks bumped him once he bitched about it and then he was just like a, gone from the game it's like he didn't even play anymore it's bizarre bizarre it's pretty weird and you know the thing is that earlier in the year ben simmons was dealing with a knee and a back injury yeah i haven't heard a thing i'm not reporting anything here but I can't help but wonder if there's something up physically because that would explain it because the way he's playing now resembles the way he looked prior to the break he took in January when he was hurt and he was dealing with the injury and he needed some time away from the court. I wonder if there's something up there. Like maybe, you know, how he was in the COVID protocols from All-Star Weekend, maybe the extended, you know, 10-ish days off. You know, sometimes guys are better when they keep moving, they keep playing rather than take having some downtime. I don't know what it is, but it would explain. You never know. What's happening. And you if never it's not know. that, yeah, you don't know. But and if it, whatever, whatever it is, it needs it to could be, be that he It could be that he, you know, watches Instagram all the time and his ex-girlfriend is, you know, posting pictures with Devin Booker. I mean, that's annoying. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm saying you never know. Yeah, that would annoy me. Know. Yeah, you <laughs> be in know. my head. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially if she's like super famous. I'd be like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> what do I have to see us on Instagram all the time? Well, People sending me this shit. Whether it's like Instagram sadness <laughs> or whether it's, you know, physical pain, the fact is, is the, the Sixers score only 107 points per 100 chances when Simmons is on the court without Joel Embiid. That would rank 22nd in the NBA according to Second Spectrum. 
that number needs to get better in the postseason because the fact is, is that with Joel Embiid, he's not going to play 40 minutes a game. That goes without saying. But secondly, with, with Embiid's injury history, there's always a chance of a missed game or a couple missed games or even a missed quarter. Those minutes when Ben Simmons is running the show, they got to be better than that. They got to be better than 22nd in the league. And I look at the talent on that roster. I look at and think about what the idea of what Ben Simmons could be, the flashes of what he's shown he can be. They should be better than that without Joel Embiid on the floor. They should be. And they got to figure that out. And I thought the 10-game absence Joel Embiid had dealing with his scary knee injury that it looked like he had, I thought this would be a time to experiment and figure things out and try to work it out with Ben Simmons. And, and they did win games, and they won games with their defense. Their defense is still elite. It's always been elite, and it will continue to be elite. But you still got to get that offense right. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Couple of teams that I thought before we get into the craterers, um, as it were. It, look, teams that you were you were high on them in the preseason, so you probably fancy them, uh, fancy putting them up a little higher than they deserve to be. The ones when I was scrolling through that I was like, oh, that's high. Dallas. I mean, I think you, you had sh- them at like it's seven. really high. Yeah, that's high. Come on, Are you sure? Ooh, they have not been very good. They have not been very good this year. They're they're. They're in seventh right now they've in the West. The, they've been the third best team in basketball for two months now. Huh? They've been the third best team in the NBA for two months now. If, like, looking, at, looking at net rating, I mean, like third oh. best, just in terms of net rating, they've been the third best for two months since uh, early February. So that like with the power rankings in the beginning of the year when I was doing these power rankings, I was kind of like championship index, like who has the best finals odds. The way we're doing them now is like most sites do with power rankings, more recent performance. But with Dallas, Luca is playing in, at an MVP level, Chris. He's shooting better defense than ever. Yeah, but and the rest of that team has gotten better too. Like Josh Richardson is playing better, shooting the ball better. Even and like he's been doing everything good all year long, mm-hmm. but now the shooting numbers are getting better. Everybody on that team is making contributions. KP is the only guy you can look at and be like, "Geez, if only he could stay healthy." Well, now he hurt even, his wrist. Well, even KP's had some great games recently, though. 
That yep. team is is they're a second tier contender in my book, just like they were before the year. I mean, they have they're one of those teams I wouldn't put on the same level as Denver or on the same level as Utah or Phoenix. Well, and they obviously got a good, great win but last night. Below that. Oh, they're also going to be they, they will be the team where the, the whoever ends up with whatever it is two is if they're if they're seven. Or three, if they're six, is going to be like, oh, come on. Well, you I mean, might you, be you, facing. You think about it right now. If it's Phoenix, and that's who you find in the first round, yeah, you know what I mean. Because this get is to your, Dallas, this, oh, and this tough. is your first, you know, picking up playoff scars. Yeah, like they don't have they don't have experience. They got they got a couple guys like uh, like Paul and Chris Crowder Paul, that are going to get Crowder, minutes yeah. for them. Um, that have got you know real playoff. Uh, you know, scars, but the rest of those guys, it's going to be their first time through. We'll, we'll see how those standings shake out though. We mentioned this last week, but the Lakers could fall. No. There's a chance here, right? There's now, no question. Dallas, Dallas is only two and a half back from the Lakers. Only two and a half back. Hey, and you know, I, you, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had taught our, Maybe it was just more recent than that. I, we all talked the about days the whole, went together. <laughs> yeah, with all the with the with the Marcus All and the Andre Drummond thing, and I and I told you, and you, you saw those quotes. Out. You called we, it out. I called it. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna lose this guy, like yeah. in terms of like I, I'm. I, look, he's gonna do. He's gonna be. Uh, it's not like you're gonna lose him as a player when he's on the court, but in terms of the whole. All for one, one for all. You know, he feels you could read in those statements that there's a there's a feeling of uh, betrayal in some way, right? That I saw like you guys recruited me and you convinced me to come here. And the job I was to have was to play defense, keep the ball moving, and make accentuate those two guys, these two stars. You brought me in to make AD and LeBron even better than what they are. And I went and pulled it up. I mean, look, obviously any lineup with LeBron and AD <laughs> is going to be fantastic. You know, you could put me and you out there and are, we're going to have a positive net rating. I but, don't know about that. <laughs> but, I mean, they're, uh, like with that three-man lineup, because when he said that, I was like, I wonder if that's worked out. Because that's one of the things you have to take into consideration, you know, how much better do you think you can be if you replace him? The three-man lineup with him and the two stars is plus 14. I mean, they outscore their opponents by 14 points per 100 possessions. So, in fairness, you know, I, I think he's probably got uh, a, a reasonable point of view on that. Like, okay, so you, you, wait, is Andre Drummond going to be plus 20? You going to be plus 18? Whatever. Like, you know, I was brought here to do this. And now I'm, you know, replaced. Replaced. It'd be kind of a fun experiment. Me and you playing with LeBron 10, and AD. Yeah, fifteen minutes a game with LeBron <laughs> and AD. Fifteen minutes a game the whole season. We'd be huffing and puffing at the end of that fifteen. I mean, minutes. look. Here's what I here's what I know. Every year when you pull up like two man lineups, like the highest in the league is always LeBron and Caruso. Uh, so I mean. Stay, I mean, I, I'm not trying to take anything away from Alex Caruso, but it's not like Caruso's dropping 30 points when he's playing with LeBron James, right? You got to man your position and run up and down the court. Hey, you know what you got to do? You got to pass the ball to LeBron James. That's what you got to do. Every once in a while, cut to the basket. 
Good good luck to us getting the ball through those passing lanes. <laughs> good luck to us. <laughs> um, so, anyways, that was a that's another one of that's a thing that goes on that can affect chemistry, though. Like much like we talked about with the Nets, there's going to be these things that you don't know uh, how it's going to end up with those teams. The other one that you had high, and if you're talking about like recent matters a lot more, bro. The Warriors are like hurtling towards basketball hell right now. Like they, them, they what, have 19th? been, they've been 19th, awful, yeah. and they got beat by a thousand. I couldn't believe. I know Curry wasn't there. I could, I thought the app was screwed up when I saw that score. It's like a <laughs> hundred to fifty, and I was like, no way. Uh, it's embarrassing. Like hundred to fifty. It's a joke. This is ridiculous, and. I was listening. Uh, I was listening to uh, the beginning of, of Zach's pod that he's doing. Nick Ferdell, and oh my god, Ferdell was just. I mean, do not listen to that if you're a Warriors fan, because or I mean, do not listen o- to it. Not only reason. were they just, I mean, unrelenting on Wiseman and just done like it was not like it wasn't pretty on the Wiseman front. But the other one was the. Do you have the goods? Is this what you should build around? Is there going to be another act with Curry, Clay, and Draymond? And he kind of crapped all over that idea too. Um, what did he say about that? Just like that, that, that. No, that this is not. You're not just going to build around. You know, Curry, Draymond, and Clay. I mean, Clay's obviously he's at the ACL and then the Achilles after that, and that you know and. Obviously, they needed Wiseman to be good immediately. And so how are you building and and how are you building with Steph in mind for this last, you know, whatever X number of years in his prime versus what you're doing with this James Wiseman draft pick um, that you just used the second pick in the draft on and whatever else. But it just was not. It was it wasn't pretty, and they were pretty they were pretty rough on 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 Wiseman and just kind of how bad he has been. That like just the truth is he has not been good. He hasn't been good. No, and everybody can make all manner of excuse and whatever else, but and he's just lost his confidence. That you know, Kerr's got these recent quotes about him, um, but in terms of. You, what you want is a player to respond. He's had like, you know, he's had to sit out for the health and safety things. He's gotten benched. He's been moved back into the starting lineup. And he just, it hasn't had the desired effect. It does not seem there on Wiseman. You want him to take that instruction, take that um, punishment in some ways, you know, tough love and then react in an extremely positive manner. And instead, the the more often reaction has been to kind of hole up, you know. And he is young, and he hasn't, he didn't play in college and whatever else, but it just, it hasn't gotten better as the season has gone on, which is what you want to see with the development of some of a young player, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think with with the Warriors, this season is obviously a lost year. It's a transition year without Clay Thompson, mm-hmm. but you would have hoped that they would be better than this 
especially with Seth Curry off the floor, you would hope that they would have shown some adaptability. And that was the main thing in the the blurb for the power rankings that I had about Golden State is that, you know, adaptability is the number one quality in the teams that win for years and years and years and years and years. San Antonio Spurs, the New England Patriots, you know, what Pop has done over the years, going from Twin Towers post offenses with Duncan uh, David Robinson and Tim Duncan to playing more, you know, ball movement, motion offenses with Manu and Tony Parker. Bringing in Kawhi and Leonard, you use more isolations than you ever have before. Always adapting. You know, the Patriots did that over the years, switching defensive schemes, 3-4 to 4-3, going to nickel base before anybody else, running five wide, going to two tight end sets with Rob, uh, Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, constantly switching systems to best fit the system to the personnel. The Warriors are running the same scheme they did four or five years ago when you with had worse players with worse players and guys who were different types of players. And you know, the, the, the solution is not simply run more pick and roll with Steph Curry. Cause he's the, you know, the most efficient pick and roll shot creator in the league, you know, ever. It's not that like that's teams are going to blitz and trap him, get the ball out of his hands. That is not the solution. But what this does magnify is two things. I worry about the lack of adaptability. Steve Kerr has talked for years about, I hate running pick and roll. I don't want to pick and run pick and roll. And it makes guys, you know, get bored standing in a corner. They get, they get taken out of the game. Essentially, he doesn't want to be the Rockets, but you don't have to be the run to be the Rockets to run more pick and roll with Stephen Curry and James Wiseman. James Wiseman, one of the reasons why I think he's probably struggling is because he's not doing the thing that he's best at right now. Rim running, you know, screen and rolling, pick and popping. Like, I want to see more of that. Get those guys going. Integrate that into your offense. Add another layer. But it's not the solution to their struggles. The fact is, is that this team needs personnel changes. And that's on Bob Myers in the front office. They got to bring new guys in. You can't just hope for Clay Thompson to come back and stay healthy and maintain and be the same Clay Thompson we saw prior to that injury. You can't just hope for that and then for that to work. You also need to have some personnel changes and system changes here too. So there's so much that I look at well, with because this Warriors things are roster. different. Yeah. So while Steph Curry might be the same and might be, he's not going to be like peak of powers, Steph, like the historic MVP seasons that he had. Like, but he could be a large percentage of that. The but the other two, like. The idea that Clay Thompson is going to be what Clay Thompson was with the age Mm. and coming off the injuries is rather far-fetched at this point. Um, And Draymond's not the same guy either. Draymond Green uh, averages six points a game, Kevin. And defenses don't respect him. No, and like, look, one of the great forgotten games of all time, which is... The game seven, the pin block, like it, Draymond had like almost a 30 something point triple double in that game. I think he was one number shy of having a triple double in that game seven. Like bro, Draymond Green is not scoring 30 something points in a finals game. He, like, he had 32 points, 15 rebounds, nine assists I mean, on, on 11 of 15 shooting. I'm not sure he shot 15 uh, times in a single game this year. <laughs> when it mattered most. I mean, that Thir- is game... 13 is his most for what it's worth. I mean, that 13. is game seven <laughs> yeah. of the NBA finals. Yeah. He hasn't had a 30-point game. When is the last time Draymond Green... That might be the last time Draymond Green scored 30. Whatever that finals was against the LeBron Cavs. Like, it, 
he averages six points a game. I get it. It's what he does. But I mean, like if there was ever a time where, you know, it was a little more needed in the absence of Clay Thompson, uh, that has not been so. And so he's not that guy. He's not that guy that he was when they were making those finals runs. And so things are different. And yeah, like if you want to, if you want to do the read and react, I mean, there is some there. They had such insanely high IQ players for so many years, and even the ones they brought in, the Livingstons, the Iguodalas, the Barbosas, the David Wests, the Anderson Verajals, like whoever, Andrew Bogut, whoever you want to bring in, right? Like they were all mega basketball savvy, high IQ guys, yeah. right? And you can't just say, hey. This is the way we play when we're the Warriors. Like, this is why the, the 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 Spurs don't bring in Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins. Like, that's why. They don't bring in those kind of guys. <laughs> I mean, like, so if you want to be, if you want to be that team, if you want to be the pop it around, read and like look at the defense, react to the defense, cut here, cut there, and everybody's kind of reading each other's mind, then you better have a gang of high IQ players, not just whoever you draft and whoever you sign in free agency or trade for, and then say, go, go do that stuff, you know? Uh, Cause that just, you know, that uh, to me, that is a, a little bit of a, that's a reluctance uh, or a lack of awareness of what you did have. That was so special. Well, and so golden state during those years, Defenses weren't switching screens on or off the ball at the frequency the frequency that they are now. So those actions with guys coming off screens, you know, with handoffs, a lot of motion, the ball changing sides on the court with the personnel, with the state of NBA defenses was just devastating. It was devastating. But the way defenses, you know, act now when you don't have that caliber of players, it's a lot harder to run that. I saw a, a clip um, Diana Taurasi talking years ago, I think it was the Bill Simmons podcast, like a 2015 or something when the Warriors were the Warriors, when they were competing for championships. And she mentioned on the pod how, you know, it's great to run that style, but sometimes you can't do that with, with depending on what a defense does. Katie's talked about this over the years. She's like, there's limitations of the motion. And I, we're seeing that now. Like the fact is, is Steph Curry leads the NBA in three point attempts per game. He should be taking more. <laughs> Steph, Steph should be take, take, taking five more shots a game. It's just the truth with this year's personnel. And, you know, part of me gets it in the sense that, you know, Kurt doesn't want to move away from what they've done before, but you still got to make tweaks. And the Warriors world tweeted a, a great video the other day of the, the, the Warriors running their weave, like at the top of the key, handoff to handoff, and it resulted in a Kent Bazemore, you know, dribbling the ball towards the basket. Steph Curry didn't get a single touch, and Bazemore just turned the ball over, Hawks going the other way. And it's just, I've seen that so many times this year watching the Warriors where Steph doesn't get a touch. And in today's game with that team, that just shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. Steph is capable of creating for himself and for others better than anybody. And, you know, while he is having a great individual season, there's still more that's been untapped from him this year, in my opinion, that could have had the Warriors in a far better position for being in the playoffs or maybe not even being in the play. And I still think that there's more to this team 
if the system were a little bit different. But that doesn't change the fact that the personnel needs to improve dramatically, considering the clay factor and the Draymond being worse, as we've talked about. Like they got to make some serious changes. They have well, and to. It's hard and they need now, to be aggressive. It's hard, it's hard now to put more on his plate because he he's trying to play through that tailbone thing, which would probably in a in a different year keep him out longer. Right? It's obviously. I mean, he's not been playing a bunch of consecutive games in a row. This is and this is a hard year for uh for anybody to have an injury that they're going to attempt to play with yeah. because the games it's just relentless these schedules and that might be part of it yeah. like part of it here might be they don't want to give Stephen Curry 25 shots per game because well, it's like, the what's the, what, what's like the just, upside that, the that might thing, be part the of other, it. the other thing is i mean i watched them play miami uh, uh this might have been right when Steph came back but uh Maybe a week ago. I don't know. Again, this stuff all runs together. But I mean, he would come, they would set that high screen and they just blitzed it. Yep, they just blitzed, blitzed it. Traps. And they just say, they just say yep. the hell with it. Somebody exactly. else beat us. And Andrew Wiggins was good in the first half and then the second half didn't do crap. And it was like, okay, fine. If we lose to Andrew Wiggins, we lose to Andrew Wiggins. You know? So what? But I mean, I remember, I remember back in the day, like, you know, I, I was in a meeting where coaches were talking about how, uh, you know, uh, it was against one of these Rockets teams. And it was like, we just want Capella catching the ball. We just want him getting the ball. They're going to throw it to him off of that, uh, off of this pick and roll. We want him catching the ball and him making the decision. We'll live with it. But it gets the ball out of the guy's hands that we want the ball, uh, you know, don't want to have the ball, which is Harden. Anytime the ball is at Capella's hands instead of James Harden's hands, it's a win for our defense. You're right. And it's like, that's how you can play the Warriors. Anytime the ball's not in Steph's hands, it's a win. Fine. Who's going to kill us? Seriously. Yeah. Who's going to kill them? Yep. They're going to be That used to be Clay, right? Yep. They blitz and trap all game long. That, yes. That's what they would do. And ultimately for Steph and for the Warriors, that's where the talent deficit is apparent. They need to have more shooters around him. And, and by the way, like two years ago when they lost to Toronto in the finals, in in my post-final story, I had a like a lot in there about the Warriors. They were caught, people caught up with them in terms of three-point shooting. They used to be ahead of the curve in terms of the amount of threes that they took. They're middle of the pack now. You know, they haven't evolved over time when other teams have and, and that, that's in terms of personnel it's in terms of system in terms of sh- shot selection they need to change and i hope for that organization this year has made that very apparent that they need to evolve in order to continue winning and competing for championships with steph curry otherwise he might develop a wandering eye because why wouldn't he let me say this i i lost our andrew wiggins bet by him sure still did. being on <laughs> thank, the thank Warriors post trade deadline, I paid. I paid. <laughs> thank you, the Chris. Andrew Wiggins debt. Thank you. But they are paying a much greater price than that. <laughs> so I take solace in that. I lost my hundred bucks, but they're losing much more than a hundred bucks by having him still on that team because uh, he's he should be the guy, right? Uh, if you're he's, gonna, he's it, shooting forty percent from three. Averaging 18 points. They got the Minnesota. Well, not yet. We'll see what happens on lottery night with the Minnesota pick. (laughs) 
But they yeah. could get that this year. Might be it next could. year, though. It's possible. Either way, uh, great pick to have. I'm just talking about that's a, that's a lot of money sunk into a guy oh, that yeah, doesn't yeah. exactly give me a lot of relief when everybody can just decide Steph Curry's not going to destroy me tonight. Um, before we get out of here, the national championship game, that was one of the most stunning outcomes that I can remember last night. I mean, a Gonzaga team that until the UCLA game had beaten everybody by double digits since a December, early, early December game against West Virginia that they won by five. Other than that, I believe it was 29 out of 30 games. They had won by double digits this season. Um, Then they played the epic overtime game against UCLA, but they just got buried last night by Baylor and it was off the bat. It wasn't like a slow barrier. I mean, it's nine, nothing. Then it's like 20 to six or whatever the hell the score was. And Baylor just did not let up. Uh, I think they got it to nine, maybe once or twice, but then Baylor would do something else. And so the question that comes out of that, because obviously we don't analyze college basketball, but we do analyze draft picks and you have a draft board. Um, Suggs, Kispert, Mitchell, Butler, did any of those guys improve their stock exponentially to you? Davion Mitchell, for sure, Uh, over the course of the tournament uh, has made apparent that he's a lottery talent and he'll be in in the lottery whenever we do our next draft guide update. Butler on on Baylor, I liked him last year before he pulled his name out of the draft, so not a lot's changed there. He's a mid-late first-round draft pick in my eyes. Corey Kispert did not look good in some of these games, especially in the final against Baylor. That could hurt him. I had a text with an NBA exec last night. It was like, does not look good for Kispert. Looks very rough, you know. We had everybody mostly Adam as a lottery guy. Part of that was because there is there's certainly a much different level of speed and athleticism in the NBA. And Baylor possessed that, and Baylor has it. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And it was like, okay, is this what this dude is going to look like on the next level where there's a lot of guys um, that are. Uh, vastly superior athletically. Yeah. Um, and Baylor had so many plays like that where their athleticism and hustle combined. Oh. Like, it's not just one. It wasn't just Yeah, a team of was, dogs, too, yeah, man. Just God, hustle. They go, they go oh, hard. My, like, such a gritty team. Like, the yeah, team is great. Every, like, yeah. every passing lane, yeah. every time you try to dribble, like, anything that Gonzaga did, it was like, Jesus, get off me. It's like, they're, <laughs> like they're not the one with, like, the, the scowling bulldog yes. logo, but they yes. were playing like that that on the court. Right. Just an invasion <laughs> of personal space all the time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was yeah, nutty, And man. they I mean, made they're... everything. Yeah, they just, like, they just yeah. made every three they took. It felt like there was like a little span where they didn't, but they started five for five. Then they missed some. And then, you know, the, the last 10 minutes of the game, they started banging them all down again. It was mm. crazy. What about Suggs? Obviously the moment of the tournament. Do you think it becomes a real Suggs Cunningham debate? No, no, no. His stock has not changed a bit since preseason. Mm. It's just all, he's only locked himself in as a top five-ish guy. You know? He reminds I me mean, so s- much of, there's so many things he does that remind me of Darren Williams. You know, and I'm trying to let people, like, like Darren Williams, Illinois Darren Williams that was coming out that 
got drafted ahead of Chris Paul, no less, right? Like, and young Darren Williams in the NBA. Um, that's what I'm talking about. Who was, he was a devastating, a devastating um, point guard that didn't look like the athlete that he was, like good quickness, everything. I mean, and he had great vision and he hit those like step backs, but Suggs, Boy, he glides to the rim. He flies. Um, and is a he's got that leader thing. He's got a dog in him too. He didn't he have does. a lot of guys there for the dog fight with him last <laughs> night, but but he he's got it. He, yeah, he does have that mentality. Like he's, I'm a Suggs guy. He, yeah, he, he's the type him. of guy who, like, whatever his upside is, whatever his ceiling is, he will maximize it you know, in the context of the situation and environment that he's in. And hopefully for him, he falls into an NBA situation that is just as good for him as Gonzaga was for him. Like what a great situation for him. He selected the school partially for development reasons to get to the NBA. And hopefully he lands in a similarly great situation to maximize who he is because he will work towards that. Whatever level that is, superstar, oh, yeah. I'm with one you. time, one time all star, multiple time all star. I don't know. We'll find no, out. No, but I used to write, used to write there, write that article about the who will not. Like, he is a hundred. He will not fail. He will not. He's gonna There's have no, some level. Great of success. head on his shoulders. Yeah, you know, plays hard and loves a crazy, the game of basketball. Loves crazy it, athlete. You know? the, the, those are the guys like you want to have on your team. Yes, they, when they also have talent. Yeah, he's not gonna be <laughs> crap. Mm-hmm. There's no, no way. Chance. He's a bust. It'd be shocking. No. Um, As right. they play this audio yeah. five years from now. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> um, all right. Last thing. They, so the draft is going to be at a different time this year. We had, we, we've been meaning to talk about this, but we, you know, the dates came out uh, a couple of weeks ago and that is not the same calendar. Um, you know, it felt like we were going to kind of get back to normal and everything was going to get back on, you know, the right calendar. But with the Olympics going on and everything else, like it's the the draft is not going to be our typical June 25th or whatever it normally would be draft uh, this year. So that is a different calendar and stands to reason that if we're going to have a summer league, in Las Vegas, that'll have to be even after that. So we're talking about August for that, right? Yeah, yeah. We got uh, the draft lottery on June twenty second, and we have the draft itself on July 29th. Yeah. Two days after my birthday, so maybe in August we'll have summer league. Wow, we, gonna, we might be there, Chris. Yeah, be there? hopefully. Uh, hopefully, look if there is a summer league, we'll be there. Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. For sure, and hopefully we could. By that time, do like live events and stuff. We can try to put something together, That'd maybe fun. while we're out in Vegas. Because we did that. We went to that one that you know Bill and uh, Rosillo and Daryl did the, the a couple of years Murray, ago. Rosillo, it was good. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was. Yeah, it was a really good scene there for sure. I, I, I'd love to do a, a live show with you, Chris. Like I, the one of the greatest thrills of my life was doing dunk on cancer live in Toronto. Oh yeah. Yeah. We raised money up there and there were like 200 or so people uh, there for the pod and like so many like friends and colleagues and the NBA media world showed up. It was really awesome having some, it's like a big live podcast. It'd be cool to do that with you, Chris. Yeah, we should, uh, let's let's, let's keep our fingers interest. crossed that everything can go off in yeah. Vegas. Like we hope so. Safety would have to be number one, obviously. And hopefully by that point, 
Um, oh, I don't really care about the safety so. thing. I just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully by that time, you know. Ho- hopefully no more super spreader events by that point. And hopefully everybody will be vaccinated by then. I hope so. Keep, yep. keep, uh, keep getting those vaccinations out into the world and the population. Yep. Uh, all right. Thanks to producer Sasha. As always, Kevin, I will talk to you on Friday. Have a good week, everybody. Thank you.